All right. Well, good morning. Uh, welcome to H2O. As Kent said, it's been a little bit. Uh, it's been a, a while since we've been together. If you've been, if you were with us in 2016, we closed out the year uh, with our Christmas service, and now we're, we took a couple weeks off uh, since since uh, Sunday. Kind of Christmas Day fell on a Sunday, New Year's Day fell, fell on a Sunday, and so we're back together again, starting off 2017. I don't know about you, but I feel this way. I probably feel this way every year, but it's just crazy that we're saying 2017 already. I haven't got used to writing that on my checks yet. I'm sure that you guys are probably in the same boat with that, but but it, it's hard to believe that we're. We're launching into another year, but we are so excited about what God has in store for this church. And, and a little tradition that we have around here at H2O, you may not know this if you're newer to our community, is that the, the first Sunday of every year, we, we kind of pull out of whatever series we're in or whatever situation we're in, and we have what's called Vision Sunday. And so you uh, are here today on our Vision Sunday. And it's an opportunity for us to just kind of get, get the whole church on the same page in terms of what our vision is, who we are, and where we're going. And, and we feel like vision, you know, it's something that's so extremely important when you think about that. I mean, we obviously know that on a, diff- a lot of different levels, you know, uh, not too long ago, you know, back in December when, when there were all those snowstorms were out driving around with me and my kids and there's a bunch of snow coming down, you know, and it was dark and they're in the back seat and they're like, dad, you, can you see, you know, and they were getting scared because they're like, you know, can you even see there's so much snow that our kids knew that like vision, is something that's extremely important. And if you don't have vision, you know, you don't even know where you're going. And, and that's true, you know, as you're driving a car in a snowstorm, but it's also true about our lives. And it's also true about our church. Vision is something that is so extremely important. In fact, uh, in the book of Proverbs, the, the, the author of the book of Proverbs, who is Solomon, he says this in Proverbs uh, 29, 18. He says, without vision, people perish. Okay, without vision, people perish. And obviously, uh, that's not meant to, to take literally. It's not like you're, you're necessarily going to die if you don't have vision. But what I think he means is that without vision, uh, there's going to be wandering. Without vision, there, there's going to be disillusionment. Without vision, there, there's going to be this, this temptation to just kind of drift into something that God never meant for us to be, both as individuals and as a church. And so vision is so extremely important. But I would also even add something to that, that, that the, the writer of Proverbs didn't say, not only without vision will people perish, but without people, a vision will perish right? Without people, a vision will perish. Maybe you guys have seen or been part of something where this gra- there's this grandiose vision. There's this grandiose plan, but if there's not actual people to come alongside and make that vision happen, the vision will eventually perish as well. And so without vision, people perish and people wander and are lost, but as well, without people, a vision perishes. And so we are here today to kind of get on the same page as what is the vision of H2O. And, and, and I'm so pumped and I'm so excited. And we say this all the time, but I truly believe it, that the best days of H2O are ahead of us. And the vision has never been stronger for what God is doing and is going to continue to do in this church. But we also know that, that vision is something that needs to continually be uh, implanted into our hearts and into our minds. Bill Hybels, he's, he's a famous pastor and author, uh, pastor of Willow Creek Church and Willow Creek Association. He says, vision leaks. Okay, and what he means by that is no matter how great your vision is, no matter how beautiful of a picture you paint, if you just paint that picture once and, and, and then just never come back to it, it will eventually kind of leak. And so vision is something that we have to continually revisit. It's why people make like a New Year's resolution, right? Do you guys, how many people made New Year's resolutions here? I'm just curious. 
Don't be shy. Like five people? Wow. Okay. All right. So, so it's why oftentimes we make a New Year's resolution. We have a vision for our life. And then we joke because, you know, two weeks later, we never actually accomplish that, that goal, that resolution, that vision. It's because it, it leaks unless we constantly revisit it. And so the idea is that today we are here and we're gathered together. And it's about two things today. The, 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 the two things that we want to kind of communicate and, and share with, the, with everyone is who we are as a church and where we're going as a church. That's what Vision Sunday is all about. Who, who is H2O and where are we going? And the big idea that, that I want all of us to just kind of grasp with and, and, and wrestle with together today is that in order to have our vision as a church become a reality, we must have everyone invested. Okay, in order to have the vision of what God, we believe as a leadership team and as a church, in order to have that vision become a reality, we need everyone invested. You see, we strongly believe, and part of our culture and our DNA is that H2O isn't just about one person or one leader or a a particular group of leaders. We believe that the church is about all of us. And so we believe that the vision that God has given us for H2O isn't just for the pastor to carry or the staff to carry. We believe that the vision is for every single person who calls this church their church home to help carry and and, and act and put into action uh, what God has for us. So the big idea, in order for our vision to become a reality, we all must be invested in it. And so I'm excited today to just share a little bit about who we are for those of you who are newer and share where we're going for those of you who are with us and see what God has in store. So before we even jump in, uh, I just want to ask you to to pray with me and just ask God to, to guide and direct our time together. So God, we thank you. Uh, that we get the privilege of worshiping together. And Lord, it's it's fun to just start something new. And so as we're starting this new year, it's 2017, and and we just think about the future, and we think about all that you have in store for us, both as individuals, as families, and as a church family as well. God, we're excited for the future because we know that you are a good father. We know that you love us. We know that you have good things in store for us. And so, God, would we be men and women here today that align our visions with yours? God, would we be men and women that seek you uh, as a church, as individuals, and and ask you to to, to make our lives line up with what you want for our lives, God? We want to be a church that makes an impact. We want to be a group of people who, who draws closer to you. And so, God, we pray that today would be a starting point for that. We pray that today would be a a picture of how we can continue to be faithful and obedient to you as we move forward with the vision that we believe you've given us. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. Amen. All right, so so we're going to just kind of walk through three different distinctives about who we are as a church and the vision that we believe God has given us for each one of those things. So you can follow along in your notes. Uh, we have an H2O app. If you're newer with us and you haven't got a chance to download that, every week we have the, the notes uh, within the, the sermons that you can follow through. We also have our calendar and everything on there as well, so you can follow along with that, or it will be up on the screen behind us. And, and first and foremost, the thing that, that I want to share with you about who we are as a church and where we're going is that we are a church that engages with the unchurched. We're a church that engages with the unchurched. Uh, I want you to look at this passage with me. It's in the book of Luke. Luke chapter 5, verses 27 through 32. Okay? And this is, this is Jesus, and he is coming onto the scene. He's in the beginning of his ministry, and he's starting to call his followers and his disciples. In Luke chapter 5, verse 27, it says this. After this, Jesus went out 
and he saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, he said to him. And Levi got up, and he left everything, and he followed him. And then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, who belonged to their sects, complained to his disciples. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners, they said. Jesus answered in verse 31, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have, never, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Man, I, I love that passage because I think it gets at the heart of who Jesus was. And obviously as a church, our desire is to follow in, in the footsteps of Jesus. And what was going on here is something that, that actually still goes on in our world and our culture a lot. It may look a little bit different, but it's something that happens so many times. Because what had happened was the, 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 the people of that time had kind of grouped all human beings into two groups of people. The good people, the religious people. The people that, that, that everybody was thought was, was in, in a right standing with God. And then the dirty, nasty sinners. Levi was a tax collector, and tax collectors were infamous for stealing money from people. And so, as you can imagine, you know, people weren't too thrilled about, about this, this, this guy, Jesus, who was claiming to be in the good, good pile, all of a sudden now hanging out with, with these tax collectors and thieves. And, and Jesus would go even further. He would hang out with prostitutes. He would hang out with people who, who were sick with, like, contagious diseases. And so much of the world during that time, they had really just categorized everybody. And they said, if you're over here, that's great, good for you. If you're over here, well, you're kind of doomed to just stay over here in this group of people. And these two groups of people should never intermingle. Because, I mean, God forbid if the, the holy righteous people hung out with the sinners some of their sin might rub off on the holy righteous people, you know? And, and so they, they were looking at Jesus' disciples and saying, how can you follow this guy who's gone out and hanging out with these nasty, gross people? And there was a lot of, of pride and self-righteousness that they had in them. And Jesus' harshest words throughout all of the New Testament, Jesus actually got mad sometimes in the New Testament. Jesus actually had some harsh things to say. But you know who those, you know those, who, who those harsh things were pointed at? They weren't pointed at the sinners. They were pointed at these people who only put themselves in this good category. Some of the things that, that Jesus said to them was, you're a hypocrite. You know, you think that you're clean, but you're not. And so Jesus broke down all these different barriers. In fact, that's why eventually he would end up having to be killed and going to the cross because people were uncomfortable with the fact that Jesus wanted to blow up these two different groups that the world had created because it was safe for them. And as we think about that now in our culture, in our world, isn't it interesting that 2,000 years later, it may not look the exact same way, you know, and, and we may not be maybe quite as outright with it, but I think that many times we're tempted to still classify people into these two different groups, aren't we? We're still tempted to say, well, that person lives this way, or that person has made this mistake, or whatever the case may be, and we're tempted to just kind of run to our different groups. But, but Jesus says, no, that's not how the church is supposed to be. 
That's not what the church is supposed to look like. The church is supposed to be a place that engages with every single person, no matter what their background is, no matter who they are, no matter where they've been. In fact, Jesus said, I didn't come. You know, a doctor doesn't go to, to heal the healthy people. He, he, he heals the sick people. And so the church is supposed to not just be okay with, with people who are sinners, but actually actively engage with people who desperately need to hear about the gospel of Jesus. And that is at the heartbeat of who we are as a church. And I pray that that would never, ever change because I believe that the times that we're most closely following God's vision and will for our life are the times when we're most open to inviting anyone and everyone into our church. We are a church that engages with the unchurched. And and, and I dream of our church being a place where every single person who walks into this church, no matter what their background is, no matter what their ethnicity is, no matter anything about them, they feel welcomed. They feel loved. They feel cared for. They feel like they can have a home here with us. I dream that, that, that we're a church and a people where, where people can experience God for the first time in the seats of this church. Man, isn't that amazing to think that, that God has given us the privilege to actually be his mouthpiece, to be his ambassadors, to share about others, uh, to share to others uh, about him. And, and I dream that we're a church that's known primarily for our love. Now, it's sad. If you look around our culture and our world, so many times the church is known for what we're against. So many times churches, they're known for what they stand against. They're known, but I dream that our church is known for our love for others. And that as we love people, that that would lead into tangible actions and that people would continually know that we're a church that engages with every single type of person. And so, so I also want to get practical on Vision Sunday because I think that's important. And it's even a, a way for us to kind of share about why we do some of the things that we do. So even under this first point of the fact that we're a church that engages with the unchurched, you may ask the question, well, well how does H2O do this? You know, what, what does it look like to engage with the, the unchurched? Well, I think first it, it starts even right here on Sundays. Believe it or not, you know, we talk about this all the time, that that H2O, that that our church is way more than just Sundays. But I would honestly say uh, Sundays are are probably our biggest front door, our biggest opportunity to invite people who are unchurched, who have never experienced church before, to come in and to be able to witness the love of Christ. Uh, If you were with us uh, last year in 2016, our Christmas service, it's always one of the best opportunities to do that. And so uh, uh, when we had our big Christmas service, there was over 30 people who accepted Jesus at that Christmas service, which is awesome when you think about that. Every year at Christmas, there's so many people searching, maybe people that don't have hardly any background in church. And so we give people an opportunity to to raise their hand and say, I want to follow Jesus for the first time in my life. And over 30 people raised their hand and said, I want to follow Jesus for the first time. And Maybe you're even one of those people, which is awesome. And we're so thankful because we believe that that God is doing awesome things and changing the trajectory of people's lives. And so we work really hard, both here every Sunday, 10 a.m. at the downtown venue, 1130. We'll start back up next week on campus to make Sundays open and excited and accessible to every single type of person that's there. So I think Sundays are a huge front door for us. And we want to encourage you, as you're catching the vision for what God's doing, to use this as an opportunity to bring your friends, bring your family, bring your neighbors, bring your classmates to, to H2O so they can experience God. Because when we gather together, something powerful happens. 
Something really cool happens. And so we do it through Sundays. We, we do it through our groups. We talk about groups every week, but the reason why we talk about them so much is because we, we call them families on mission. And the point of our groups, and we have over 20 of them, is that they would build community, that they would help point people towards Jesus, but that they would also be on mission. And they would be a safe place for people to come in and to, to, to eat a meal with others and, and to talk about the Bible. And as we open up the Bible together, it's amazing how God so oftentimes starts to reveal himself to people. And so our groups, they are not just, not just families, not just huddled together and, and kind of keeping everybody else, but everybody else out, but their families on mission that can reach into the, the world and the culture where they're at and invite people into it. And that's why we have so many different types of groups. We have city groups if you're, you're not a student that meet within the city. We have groups that meet on campus if you're a student that lives on campus. We have different affinity groups that reach out to in the particular communities in the city and on the campus. And the reason why we do that is because they're families on mission. And then third and finally, uh, so we, we, we reach out to the unchurched with Sundays, with groups, and, and probably the most important way is just with our lives as individuals. Every single person carrying the mission that, that Jesus wants us to engage with the people that we interact with, that we come into contact with, and as we go about our lives, just our ordinary, everyday lives, we're constantly seeking to glorify God. We're constantly seeking to to point people towards Christ. And the way that we live stands out from the culture that we're in. And and the way that we talk, it stands out from the culture that we're in. And when we get opportunities, we don't force them. But when we get opportunities and when God gives us opportunities, we tell people about the hope that we have in Jesus. We want to be a church that equips every single person to, to have an answer for why they have hope in this life. And that hope is Jesus. So this is what it looks like to be a church that engages with the unchurched. And as I think about that, that, that heartbeat of who we are, I think about just the, the hundreds, if not maybe even thousands of people who have come into a relationship with Christ over the last 30 years of the existence of our church. If you don't, haven't been around, H2O is actually about 33, 34 years old. So it hasn't always been called H2O, but it's been uh, on campus and in this city for over 30 years. And, and there's been person after person who've had their lives changed by Christ. And one of my, my favorite stories is a guy that, that I got to lead to the Lord uh, when I first came on staff with H2L. His name is Jake, and um, Jake uh, was this guy who was a college student, and he was really kind of at this point in his life where, where he was kind of at a low point. And uh, like a lot of people in college, you know, he'd, he'd hit this point where he was rebelling, he was, he was living kind of a typical college lifestyle, and so he was going out to the bars a lot and partying a lot. Well, well Jake went out to a bar not too far from here, I won't tell you which one, and uh, he, he went out to a bar and, and, and did what you do at a bar, you know, he got drunk, and uh, as he was at a, this, this bar, he was feeling pretty confident as he got drunk, but he's about my size, and so he started mouthing off to some guys who were at the bar. He didn't know it at the time, but it was the rugby team, okay? And, uh, and so as he's kind of feeling pretty confident because of the, the state that he was in, he all of a sudden was on the ground and in a lot of pain. And Jake actually ended up in the hospital uh, that night. And, and, and he ended up in the hospital, and he's laying in this hospital bed, and, and he's at this low point in his life, and he's like, God, 
are you even there? You know, where are you? How did I end up at this place in my life? He starts talking to his mom about it because she had to come down and, and kind of help take care of him. How do you like that? You know, think you're a pretty cool guy, and then you end up in the hospital with your mom, right? Um, and so uh, I can give him a hard time about that now. So, so his mom actually calls the H2O line and says, would you guys reach out to my son? Because he, I don't know what he needs, but probably some type of religion would be good. And we're like, okay, you know, great. So, so I, uh, I, I reach out to Jake, and sometimes you get those situations, and, and people aren't really actually interested. They're, they're just kind of, you know, saying it. But, but Jake was hungry, you know, for something. You know, he was missing something, and he knew it. And so he started coming to H2O. He started jumping into one of the groups that I was leading. He, he came around on Sundays for a little while, and he kind of just observed the people. He kind of just observed you and kind of just observed what, what God was, was doing. And, uh, and, and after about a month of just kind of reading the Bible and, and hearing the gospel proclaimed and seeing the gospel lived out, um, I got an opportunity to go and sit down at a coffee shop with them. We're sitting down, and I said, you know, Jake, it seems like you've kind of you've heard the gospel. You've seen it. Um, are you at a place where you're ready to accept it? He's like, yeah, I think I am. And so we went out into the parking lot, and he prayed to receive Christ there. And this was like 10 years ago now. But what I love about Jake's story is because that's happened time and time again in the history of our church. But God just totally transformed his life, completely changed the trajectory of his life. He was somebody who, who had zero purpose, zero vision for his life, and all of a sudden, God got a hold of him. He actually went on one of the church plants that we sent over to Northeast Ohio to, to Kent State. Little did we know it at the time, but he would go on to marry my wife's best friend, you know, um, and, 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 and they went into ministry together, and they served faithfully, and now he's an architect over in Cleveland, and he's using his gifts to glorify God. And I share that because uh, as I think about that, I think about his family now. You know, he has, he has three kids now. And, and I think about the reality of the fact that, that, that if H2O wasn't there, if people wouldn't be sharing the gospel with him, who knows, you know, where his life would be. But not just his life, but his wife's life and his kids' lives have been changed because we're a church that's committed to engaging with the unchurched. And I want to see those stories happen over and over again. And for that vision to become a reality, we all have to be invested in that. We all have to be invested in taking the love of Christ into the places that we are and seeing what God does with it. So we're a church that engages with the unchurched. Secondly, secondly, we're a church that disciples and trains Christians. We're a church that disciples and trains Christians. Listen to this verse. It's, it's in Matthew. Matthew chapter 9, verses 37 and 38. He said, then Jesus said to the disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. You know, you just picture Jesus standing there and seeing the sea of people and say, many of those people out there want to actually know me. Many of those people out there want to actually experience the gospel. The harvest, meaning the reality that people are searching for God, it's plentiful. But the people who are willing to go and actually share about me are few. And, and that verse is the primary reason why I personally am in ministry. As I, I look at that verse, it's the primary reason why I personally am in ministry because my heart and my desire is to help equip a generation and a church full of men and women who are willing to be workers 
who are willing to see the harvest, whether it's on campus, whether it's in this city, whether it's in our our neighborhoods, wherever the case is, and and say, God, the harvest is plentiful. There's people here that that, that want to know you, and I want to be one of your workers. Will you equip me? Will you empower me? Will you embolden me to, to, to take your love to the people that you brought into my life? We have a dream and a vision that every member of H2O would own and live the reality of reaching people for Christ. Every single person would own that reality. And it'll look different for us, and it'll look different in each of our different situations, but that every single person would own that vision of being one of the the workers that God is sending out into the harvest field. We have a dream and a vision that every person knows their role within the church and how God has equipped them to serve and make an impact and would grasp a hold of that. That's our desire. We want to be a church that actually equips people to do ministry, and to reach their neighbors and their friends. And so again, to to get practical, the question then is maybe, well, well, how? How do we actually do that? Because that's a great dream. But, but every vision also needs a, a strategy. Every vision also needs you know, some, some point of action so that we can do it. And so how do we do that as a church? Well, well, the starting point for this, as we always say, is the well. We believe that, that the first point of discipleship and serving and leading within our church starts with the well. And the reason for that is because during the well, it's a six-week program where we walk people through what it looks like to be a disciple of Jesus and give them opportunities to serve and find where God may be gifting them. And so I just encourage you and say, if you haven't went through that, it's a starting point for being equipped for ministry within the church here at H2O, and it helps you know our culture and and our leaders and who we are as a church. And then from there, we have different opportunities, whether it's leading a a group, which we help equip and train people for, whether it's leading a team or serving on any different variety of teams. We have 14 different teams from H2O kids to production team to media team to worship team, all these different opportunities for people to use the way that God's gifted them and wired them to serve together. Beyond that, we, we have uh, every third Thursday of the month, we have a theology cohort where we walk through and we p- teach people uh, Christian theology so that they can understand and defend their faith. Uh, we have very soon coming up mission trips, which are opportunities to, for you to put your gifts into action. This year, for the first time ever, the, the university spring break lines up with the city spring break. And so there's opportunities uh, for all of us to consider going on one of the mission trips. We have an overseas trip to Guatemala. We, we have a trip to go to Panama City beach and serve and outreach and evangelism. We have a trip gone to Tennessee where we're going to serve and build uh, underprivileged areas in the Appalachia Mountain area. And we're actually going to do a fourth one this year uh, where we're going to stay locally and we're going to invest in the community here and try to serve the school systems and try to make an impact right here in Bowling Green. And so we, we have all these different opportunities to train and to serve and to build up. And another way that we do that in the spring is through our men's retreats and our women's retreats. And so in February, we're going to have what we call Man Makers and Women's Weekend. And those are awesome times where we try to intensify the discipleship and training that we have within this church. And so if you're here and you're thinking, where do I start? There are so many opportunities for you to jump in and to make an impact. And if that's not enough, we're going to start off this year, starting next week, where we're going to do a three-week series called You Were Meant for This. Because I strongly believe, and I know that many of us do too, that God has created us to be part of something bigger than ourselves. I think that every single person, they kind of crave that deep down. 
You know, it's not just enough to kind of to go through life and, and just, you know, check in and check out each day and only think about yourself. Uh, we believe, and the Bible tells us that God created us to be part of something bigger than ourselves. And, and we believe that it's a church, it's a kingdom of God that, that all of us have a yearning to be a part of. And so we're going to start off the year, uh, starting next week, with this three-week series called You Were Meant for This, where we're going to help people engage with how God has gifted them and how they can make an impact within the church. And we're so excited for it. And so we are so excited to, to build and to train and to equip followers of Christ to make an impact in the world and the area that God has placed them. And then third and finally, it's this. We're a church that multiplies and plants churches. So we're a church that engages with the unchurched. We're a church that disciples and trains Christians. And we're a church that multiplies and plants churches. That is who we are. That's who we've been for our 30 years of existence. This verse uh, in Matthew 28, 19 and 20. It's this verse that we call the Great Commission. In fact, it was in the early years of our church, one of the, the names that... that that our movement went by, the Great Commission movement, uh, because it meant so much to us. It says this in, in Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. It says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely... I'm with you always to the very end of the age. See, Jesus made this clear that that multiplication was actually supposed to be the norm of the Christian life. That, That anything that we learn, that anything that God teaches us, that anything that God gives us, that we would be willingly ready to give that away and to multiply it. And as, as we look at this thing, it's one of Jesus' last words to us before he ascends into heaven, after he resurrected. So you can typically say that if something at the very beginning of someone's ministry or very end of someone's ministry, it's some of the most important words that they have to say. And Jesus says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore go. Therefore go and make disciples. See, the gospel isn't meant to just stop and sit somewhere. The gospel is meant to multiply the gospel is meant to transform. The gospel is meant to, to be on the move. And so we are a church that multiplies. We're a church that plants churches. And, and what I love about this verse, because I don't know about you, but sometimes that feels like an overwhelming task. I mean, to multiply, to plant churches, to, to start anything is like, wow, that seems hard. But check out the end of this verse. And surely I am with you always. I'm with you always. And so the beautiful thing about being a church that multiplies and plants churches is we don't have to do it on our own strength. We don't have to do it on our own ability. We don't have to do it on our own talent. We don't have to do it on our own goodness or righteousness. Jesus says, surely I will be with you always. And so in those moments of weakness, in those moments of of fear, in those moments of saying, I don't know if I can even do this, we can cling to the truth and the promise that Jesus is with us as we seek to multiply both on, a, on an individual level as we share our lives and, and, and on a church level as we continue to multiply and plant churches. 
And it's been amazing to see what, what God has done in the last 10 years. As we think back to the, the history in 2007, we've always been a church that's planted churches, but in 2007 we started the H2O network where we wanted to intensify and specify the places that, that we would plant. And so since then there's been 10 H2Os planted. In 2007 this was the only H2O, and, and now there's 10 H2Os that exist all around the state of Ohio, and, and now we're, we're expanding even beyond the state of Ohio, which is, which is pretty cool and pretty pretty exciting. And as we think about that reality, we think, man, there's no way that that can happen without God being with us. There's no way that we're good enough or smart enough or able to do that on our own. But multiplication is part of who we are. I was doing some, some research as I was just kind of dreaming and thinking about the, the, the church and where we're at. And, and as I was researching the, the, the statistics I found said that only about 12% of churches will ever actually plant a church. You know, and, and so if, as you think about that, you know, it, it's sad, but I think that's kind of one of the cases of, of where without vision, people perish type idea. You know, unless there's like a continual vision to, to multiply, it's way easier to kind of be comfortable within God, where, where God's placed you. And, and, of course, I'm not ripping on that or saying that that's always wrong, but I'm just saying what Jesus tells us is that the biblical norm is that there's, that there's continual multiplication and, and things happening. And, and I say only by God's grace have we been able to do this. And I just think about the reality that in the last year, we were able to, to launch two different church plants. We launched an H2O church plant at H2O Akron, where oftentimes they join us via video, which is cool. We sent some staff members over there, and God's doing awesome things there. We launched H2O Wright State, uh, which we sent two staff members down to as well. We funded that church plant and are working with uh, Josh, who's the pastor there. And then this next year, we, we have two more church plants that are on the docket. We sent out earlier in the fall Rob and Lisa, and the rest of the team's going to be joining them as they head to, to Madison, Wisconsin uh, at the end of this semester as we're coming up and then and then we're we're launching this downtown venue as well i mean that was something that that we just launched in august but we're really seeking throughout the this next year to to ramp up the presence within the city of bowling green and 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 have a, a launch point where we launch this downtown venue as well so in the last last year two church plants as we're going into this next year two more church plants and it's amazing to see god providing over and over again and our goal is that in, within the next six years, we would plant 10 more H2O churches. As we partner together as a network with the other H2Os uh, around the, the state of Ohio, our goal as a network is that we go from 10 H2Os to 20 H2Os in the next six years. And so as I think about that, it's like, how does that even happen? For the vision to become a reality, we all have to own the vision and be engaged with it. And so I just want to encourage you as you're sitting here, and as we're closing, with asking this question of how can you be involved with it? Well, I think, and we've talked about this a lot, I think as we think about multiplying and church planting, one of the primary ways that you can be involved with that is going on a church plant. And especially for college students, I think it's something to consider because you're at that transition point in your life where you're going to be graduating and you may be moving anyway. And so jumping in with a church plant makes a lot of sense. I think for many of us, God may be calling us to jump in with one of these churches that we're planting. And I think that that's such an exciting and awesome thing to be part of. And and many people have been jumping on board with that. And it's been amazing how many people have been willing to go. Man, that takes sacrifice and that takes faith. And that takes boldness. And so going on a church plan is a huge part. Secondly, 
not going, but staying intentionally. So, so to, to plant a church, you need to go intentionally, but you also need to have people who are intentionally staying to send out more church plants. And so I know that I've talked to, to many people in this room. I was talking to, to one of my friends on the city side, and, and he had this question. He was saying, I know that H2O is a church planting church and a church that multiplies, and so do I have a, a role? Do I have a place? Because I don't feel like God is calling me to go. And, and my answer was, yes, absolutely. We need people to intentionally stay and invest their lives here so that we can continue to multiply. And especially with the downtown venue, as we seek to reach more of the city of Bowling Green, there is a place for you if God is not calling you to go, but he's calling you to stay. And I'd say the opportunity to stay and to make an impact here has never been greater. And I'm so excited to see what God continues to do as so many of us are staying and planting roots here so that we can continue to multiply. So, so we can go on church plants, we can stay, and then we can just be invested. Whether you go or stay, using the gifts that God has given you to help us multiply is so important. And think about using your, your, your time you know, to, to invest in the, in the church here and, and to serve is, is so valuable. Instead of hoarding your time, how can I use my time to build the kingdom of God? Using your money, using your finances to actually invest in what God is doing as we plant churches and as we build this church. It, it, it's so important. And, and, and you know, the, the, the heating bill here, it's, it's warmed up now, right? The, you know, the heating bill, it doesn't just go away. And the, the rent and all these things. In order to reach people, we all have to be invested in the reality of making the church and the body of Christ come together and serve. So giving of your time, giving of your finances, giving of, of the gifts that God has given you to make an impact. And, and as I think about that, I think, man, I'm so excited for the future. I cannot wait to see what God does in 2017. I cannot wait to see how God knits us together and helps us to multiply, helps us to reach unchurched people, helps us to train up the men and women of this church to make an impact for Christ. So I'm going to pray. We're going to have the, the band come up. And, and, and as I start to pray and the band comes up, we just want to do something just a little, little different this time. We want to, after I pray, we're just going to give you a little bit of a, a time to just reflect. Right there in your seats, the band's going to play a little bit of music. And, and as you think about vision for your life and as you think about the vision for our church, I want to just ask you to reflect on what might God be calling you to do? Is there something that God's calling you to do on an individual level in your life? Is there a neighbor or a friend or a person that God's calling you to engage with? Is there a particular area of ministry that God may be calling you to take a step in, of faith in and serve? Is there a particular sacrifice that God may be calling you to do and be a part of, whether it's with your finances, whether it's with your gifting, whatever the case may be. So I'm going to pray, and then we're just going to have some time to reflect and think about what God is calling us to do, both as individuals and as a church. And then we're going to close out in worship.